All right, good morning, everybody. This thing working. Everybody hear me back there? Okay. If you will, turn in your Bible to uh, Proverbs chapter 25. Uh, it's on, but I'm not, I don't hear it. Okay. All right, Proverbs chapter 25. In verse 1. Says these are also the proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. And it says, "It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter." Okay. And I was listening to something the other day where this verse was mentioned. I did really didn't think about it, you know. And I woke up, in the, you know, the next morning, you know, about three o'clock in the morning. I don't know if you do that, but I don't know. The older I get, it seems like I wake up at three o'clock in the morning every night and can't get back to sleep. So these things just run through my head and. And I thought about how true this was and how it applied to this study we're doing on Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, you know, there are there's some things in Scripture that are, you know, what they call low-hanging fruit, you know, and, and, and uh, just like the gospel, you know, even a child, it's so easy a child can get it. Um, and God made it that way, you know. Um, other things take time, you know, they take some searching and it's, it's, it's just like relationships, you know. There's some things um, about you that everybody knows, you know, just common knowledge. Everybody, you know, everybody that knows you know it, knows it. And then there are things that, you know, only those that are close to you know. Um, you know, people who have gone through things with you and, and, and all the... And, and the reason they know is because they spend a lot of time with you. Well, you know, there's things in God's Word like that. You know, when, when Jesus was on earth, you know, He spoke in parables. Why did He speak in parables? Well, He said, you know, so that some people would, would understand and some people wouldn't. You know, He talks about that in Matthew chapter 13. Sometimes it's not just not the right time, but often, you know, when people don't see things in Scripture, it's because they don't want to. You know, they, they, they don't have the eyes to see, like he said, and, you know, they've already made up their mind, and, and you, you, couldn't get, you couldn't get them to see it even if you put it right in front of them. And uh, if, you, if all you see is, is the law and judgment and, and you're self-righteous, then, you know, you're never going to see grace in the Bible. Um, it's, it's, it's concealed. It's there, but it's concealed because you're not looking for it. And types, you know, these types that we're studying... You know, they're sort of that way. You know, you have to be looking for them. And if, if, if you don't want to see it, then you won't see it, you know. And just like it says there in Proverbs, it's the, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. Um, you know, and I, I enjoy a good conspiracy theory, but, you know, not because I believe all of them. You know, if you believe everything you hear, then, you know, that's unhealthy, really unhealthy. Um, I don't believe anything I hear. So uh, I like to search it out. I like to search these things out. It's just interesting to me. I like to go deeper and... Um, Life is a lot deeper than we think, and, and, and I think that's why I enjoy these types so much. I enjoy the little rabbit trails that we go on, and you know, because you learn so much along the way, um, and you get to, you get to go deeper. Um, so I hope, you're, I hope you're seeing the Old Testament in a whole different light in this study. So uh, let's, let's get started and jump into 1 Samuel and uh, look at some pictures of Jesus here. 1 Samuel records the life of, of Samuel, who was the last judge before... Israel uh, asked for a king, and Samuel actually made his own sons judges over Israel, but, you know, uh, that didn't turn out very well. If you go, to, if you go with me to 1 Samuel look at, uh, chapter 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8, and look, at, look at the first verse there. It says, and it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Uh, now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. 
And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Okay? And then, of course, Saul became king. But we're not going to focus on Saul. He's not a very good type at all. You know, although we will see some, some places where he is a type. Not a good one, but you know, that's the thing about types is you, know, you can't read too much into them because you know, types are always based on men, and men sin, right? They, they have issues. Even David had issues, right? Um, but um, we're not even going to look at David here. We're going to look at, um, as a picture of Jesus, we'll look at David next time in the next book for, in 2 Samuel. But for this one, we're mainly going to focus on Jonathan and Samuel, um, Jonathan, Saul's son. And I, I do want to point out while we're here that, you know, there's an interesting similarity to Jesus and Samuel. Um, and this has to do with the, this prayer of thanksgiving that Hannah gives here in the beginning of 1 Samuel. Uh, because she was barren, and the, the Lord answered her prayers and, and, and gave her a, a man-child, which was Samuel. Um, Mary, who was, who was a virgin, right, uh, in Luke chapter 1, also gives a very similar prayer of thanksgiving that we see here for being chosen to give birth to Christ, okay? Um, get you a place in 1 Samuel, and then we're going to go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We'll be flipping back and forth. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 46. It says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Okay, one thing to point out here is that Mary had a Savior. Okay? She needed a Savior. She was not sinless like the Catholic Church teaches. Okay? Um, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, you know, Mary would, would, would bring forth a son named Jesus, and said, for he shall, she shall save his people from their sins. Um, and you only need a Savior if you have sins. So Mary was not sinless. She was a great woman, no doubt. Um, so that's just, that's just a side note. Um, but it says she rejoiced in God her Savior. Now, uh, hold your place and go, go back to 1 Samuel. Chapter uh, chapter two. First Samuel two and verse one. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over my enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. So they start out the same way. Okay, now, now look at verse three. Uh, Talk no more exceedingly proudly, and let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. Okay, now go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 51. It says, He hath showed strength with His arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. So they're, again, they're saying the same thing. Uh, verse 52, he hath, he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Um, now go back to 1 Samuel uh, 2 and verse 4. It said, The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. Um, they that... They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry see, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she, she that hath many children is wax feeble. Okay. Now, look at uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 53. It says, He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. So again, they're, they're both touching on the same subjects when you read both of them. Okay. A lot of similarities there, and I believe Hannah's prayer basically points forward to Christ and, and to the same prayer that, that Mary would pray. Okay. That's, that's pretty obvious. 
Um, also, I, you know, think about the time that Jesus was a child where he gets left behind for three days in the temple. Remember that story? We talked about that earlier. Um, Luke chapter 2. Um, while we're there in Luke chapter 2, look at um, verse 46. Luke chapter 2, verse 46. Said, and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, speaking of Jesus, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at, at his understanding and answers. Okay, so Jesus had a more spiritual understanding than, than you know, even some of the adults there, you know, even as a child. Well, we see the same thing with Samuel. After Hannah brings him to Eli as a child, after he was weaned, okay, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, you know, Samuel lays down to sleep. You, you should probably remember this story. And he keeps hearing a voice calling him to come. Um, and uh, he could hear it, but Eli couldn't hear it, you know. Um, and just like in Jesus' day, there was a time when Israel was turned away from the Lord. It says in 1 Samuel, uh, let's see, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. And the, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the, the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. So both Jesus and Samuel grew up in a time where they, even as children, were more, you know, were more spiritual than the adults that were around them. And they were also both born in a time where the priests were corrupt, okay? As you see when you, when you read, um, read through 1 Samuel chapter 2, um, that, you know, Eli's sons turned out to be really wicked. And later, even Samuel's sons, you know, we read in, in, in chapter 8, they turned out to be corrupted as well. So, you know, same thing in Jesus' day. You know, the, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection or angels or heaven or hell, you know. So they were basically liberals. You know, the, the, the priesthood was corrupted in both, both time periods. Okay, so that's a, that's a good similarity. Um, but there are many parallels between Samuel and Jesus. Um, both were prophets. But um, listen, I want to get to Jonathan. That's really what I want to focus on before we run out of time today. Um, how was Jonathan a picture of Jesus? How did he point to Christ in the Old Testament? Okay, go to 1 Samuel chapter 18 with me. 1 Samuel chapter 18. And if you read through 1 Samuel, you'll, you'll remember Jonathan by the fact that he was really close to David. They were best friends. Um, but, but here's how Jonathan pictures Jesus, how he points to Jesus. Number one, Jonathan was the son of a king. That's obvious. Jesus is the son of a king, right? Um, that's, that's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, that, that's really easy to see. Um, Jesus is the son of God. So Jonathan was a prince. Jesus is called the prince of peace. Okay? Um, so they're both sons of a king. Now, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, look at verse 1. It says, It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took him that day and would, would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Now in these next pictures we'll see, you know, we're going to talk about, you'll see that Jonathan, basically he represents Jesus, and David represents us. Okay, and you'll, you'll, you'll see this, you'll get this picture here in a minute. It becomes really clear. Um, Jonathan loved David so much, he loved him as his own soul. Well, J Jesus loved you so much that he died for you and me, right? Um, he died for the, the sins of the whole world. So you see that picture there. And it also says that Jonathan and David made a covenant. And that's, you know, that's, that should stick out to you too. What is that picture? Well, it can't picture God making a covenant with us because, you know, as Gentiles, we're not his covenant people. Um, you go to Romans real quick, Romans chapter 9, 
Romans chapter 9, verse 3, um, it says, For I, I could wish that myself, this is Paul speaking, that, that speaking myself that were accursed from Christ for, for my brethren and my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. So covenants were made with Israel, but they still affect us, okay, as, as, as Gentiles. A covenant is something that is agreed to by two parties, okay? Now, go back to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Look at verse 3. It says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying thus, Shall thou say to the, to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall, shall be to, unto me a kingdom, a priest, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned to the words of the people and to the Lord. So, see, the Lord gave the requirements of the covenant, and they agreed. Okay? And it was contingent on their obedience. And, of course, they failed. They failed miserably. Right? Um, so a better covenant had to be brought in, a new covenant, which was prophesied way back in Jeremiah chapter 31. And, again, this, this, new, this new covenant was for Israel. Okay? Um, go to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8 and, and verse 7. It says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Uh, for finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a, co a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I have made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Now, you've got to be careful with this verse, because you know, people, will, people that believe that you know, in church replacement, they'll, you know, they'll say, well, see, you know, the, they'll say that, you know, the church has replaced Israel, and they'll put these conditions in verse 10 on the church, okay? But th these particular conditions are for Israel in, in the last days when the Lord comes back. That's why it says, um, I will make, I'll make this covenant with the house of Israel after those days. And then that's when he's going to give them a new heart, okay, and write the law on their mind and, and all these things, because they're going to be in the flesh, okay? So uh, to make a long story short, you know, he's going to make a new covenant with Israel, um, after he turns, all, when all Israel is saved, when the Lord comes back, and then all these other things will happen. And, it, of course, it was Christ's blood that made this possible. His blood is the New Testament um, to the New Covenant. And a testament is a will, and, and, a, and a testator has to die before you can reap any of those benefits from the, from the, from the death. So, you know, uh, of course, we never had a covenant with the Lord. You know, we didn't agree to the Old Covenant. But Paul makes it clear that even though we were never under the law, um, he says in Romans chapter 3 that it condemns everybody, okay? Um, so the Old Covenant still affects us, even as Gentiles, okay? Same with the New. The New Testament 
is the basis for God making a new covenant with, with Israel, but it, it affects the body of Christ um, because, you know, we, we get in on that by grace, by his grace, by the blood of Christ. We come into, we come into the picture, and, and, we, and we receive forgiveness, okay? Um, but that, that's what I want to say about that, the covenant. But when I read about Jonathan making a covenant with David, I believe it points to the new covenant that the Lord makes with, with Israel, okay? And, of course, again, we, get, we come in on that by the blood of Christ. We, we, we have that New Testament, and we're, we're saved by grace, okay? So go back to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18. And look at verse 3. It said, Then Jonathan, uh, Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Okay, now think about that. Jonathan was the son of a king, and he stripped himself of all the, the costliest things he had, you know. Um, and, then, and, and then he took those things and he gave them to David. And what is that picture? Well, if we think about the fact, you know, if we think that David represents us here, because this is a picture of what Jesus did for us, um, go to Philippians chapter 2. He took all those things off and he gave them to David. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 5. It said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus, who is eternal, who is equal with God, stripped himself, he emptied himself, just like Jonathan, of all the, the great things that he had okay, in heaven, all the glory. He came to earth as a man, he humbled himself, and he became a servant. And he went through everything that we went through, that we go through, and, and he died to give us what he had. He died. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Um, so he gave us his righteousness. When we believe, he gives us his robe of righteousness. Okay? Just like Jonathan gave David his robe. Um, go back to, go to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Look at verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord for my... Uh, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. So the Lord gives us his righteousness. We don't earn it. Um, he, he places it on us the moment we believe. It's, it's imputed to us. Okay? So the same way that Jonathan gives his robe to David. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. And that's our, our position in Christ. That's our standing with Christ. Now, there's another type of, of, of garment, another type of covering that as a believer we have to put on, okay? It's not automatic, um, the, like the righteous standing we have, like the, the position we have in Christ. And people will deny this, but the Bible is right, and, and, and they're wrong. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Notice he's, he's having to tell them this and he's exhorting believers here, you know, so it's not automatic. Or he wouldn't, he wouldn't even have to waste the space to, to say it, right? Um, look at, skip down to verse 22. That he said that you put off 
concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and, ho- and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither pl- give place to the devil. Let him that steal, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give him that needeth. Okay? Now, this, this contradicts the false gospel we hear today that says in order to be saved, you have to, you have to turn from all your sins, you have to repent of your sins you know, to be saved. Um, Paul is clearly talking to believers here. About what? Well, verse 17 makes it clear it's talking about their walk. Okay, how you walk out the rest of your life once you become a believer, and and you know, and people will say, well, if you're really saved, then you'll do you know fill in the blank. Then why are we why are they being reminded here to put on the new man? Okay, this is a garment that can be put on, or we can put it off, right? Um, you know, we're supposed, we're told to, to put on the new man and put off the old man to walk in the walk in the new man. So it's a daily choice, but the righteousness that Christ gives us is a done deal. It's a done deal. Um, and, and then you have all the other things that, that uh, Jonathan gives David. He gives him a sword. You know, Ephesians 6 tells us that you know, our, our sword is the word of God. Um, and the most important weapon we have to fight against the, 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 the lies of this world of the devil. And then he also gave him a girdle. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 says, have, have your loins girt about with the truth, um, the truth of who we are in Christ, the truth of the gospel. Um, and then he gives him a bow. And a bow is something that, you know, you think about it, it sends forth an arrow, you, you, you let it go, or a dart, um, and it can be used by the righteous or the wicked. You know, Ephesians 6 you know, says that the wicked one shoots fiery darts. Um, so he, he, he uses his bow to shoot lies, to shoot accusations. Um, we're supposed to use our bow to shoot the truth. You know, we're supposed to, to deliver the truth, to, to shoot straight um, with people and tell them the truth. Uh, Paul said in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, he says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as, as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God as we speak in Christ. Um, we don't do it for the money. We don't do it to get a, a big following like some people do. Um, we, just, we just shoot straight. We tell the truth um, because we want, a pe- we want people to, to know the truth the same way that we do. Um, and we have, we have no other agenda. So Jonathan gave David all these things and... Jesus offers all these things as well. You know, he gave us all these things. Um, so it's the same picture you see with Jonathan and David. David is just a poor shepherd. Jonathan is the son of a king, and he takes off everything he has and he gives it to David. Okay, you, you, you know, the riches of Christ. So uh, I don't think it gets any more clear than that, that that's a, a beautiful picture of, of what Jesus did for us. Uh, the next one, uh, number five, is, is uh, go back to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14, where we see, uh, this is where you really see Jonathan's character. 1 Samuel 14, look at verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migran, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. So, you know, Saul is sitting around a pomegranate tree um, when he should have been out fighting the Philistines. That's what he should have been doing. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, he said, you know, let's go, let's go pick a fight. That's basically what he's saying. And Now, the armor bearer is unnamed here, and I believe that's on purpose um, because this is one of the, 
the instances where you can insert your name here. Okay, um, what's what's the invitation here? Well, he says, "Come." Okay, well, who tells us to come? Jesus tells us to come, right? Um, he gives us an invitation to salvation. Revelation twenty-two verse seventeen. He says, "Come, and let let him that hears say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely." Uh, so he invites us to come to, to salvation freely because he did all the work. Okay. Um, then he invites you to come and serve. Okay. There's two different invitations, um, and and that's where the adventure starts. You know, because you never know where you're going to end up when you when you start following the Lord. Um, that's what you're about to see here in this story. Um, he said everybody else is just basically sitting around a pomegranate tree, and and he said let's you and me go over to the Philistines and let's let's pick a fight. Right. So let's get let's get in a fight. Um, skip down to verse 6. It said, And Jonathan said to the young man that bear his armor, Come and let us go over to the garrison of, of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is little restraint to, to the Lord to save by many or by few. So already you know they're going to be outnumbered. Okay, um, Welcome to the Christian life. That's, that's just the way it is. You know, Most people are sitting around the pomegranate tree, right? Um, and you're going out to fight, severely outnumbered sometimes. Um, but the good news is you're not alone. Okay, look at verse 7. Um, and his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is, not, that is in thy heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. So Jonathan said, Come. Okay, and, and the, armor bearer, the armor bearer said, Okay, I'm in. He's like, Whatever you want to do, let's do it. Okay, that's the response that you want to give when the Lord calls you to service. Okay, give your smart. Um, don't say, I'm not qualified. That's the point. You know, if you were qualified, you would get all the glory, right? Um, Isaiah 48, you know, God says that he will restore Israel. Um, he said, for my own sake will I do it, and I will not give my glory to another. So that's true in salvation and service. He, he gets the glory for everything. Um, he doesn't pick you because you have it all together. You know, look at, look at the people in the Bible that he used. Gideon, uh, Moses, everybody had issues. Everybody he chose had issues. Um, Paul said that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Okay, the weak things to confound the, the things which are mighty. And, and, and that's how you got me as a teacher. You know, you, did, you weren't getting anything special when you got me as a teacher. I had zero qualifications to teach, and he, he makes you what he wants you to be. He teaches you as you, as you go. Um, he said, come, and I just said, okay. You know, that's, that's all service is. Um, that's all service requires. Um, and I believe that's why the armor bearer here is unnamed, because that can be you if you just say yes. You know, you can put your name there in that blank. If you say yes, you know, you get to go on and, and, and live out the adventure of the Christian life. If you say no, then you're still saved, but you get to be a boring Christian. You know, it's that simple. So the armor bearer said yes, and let's, let's see what happens. Look at verse 8. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say, uh, if they say thus unto us, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up to them. Um, but if they say, Thus come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. So they're looking for a sign, should they fight or not. Uh, and both of them discovered, them discovered themselves into the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up, uh, come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Um, so notice who went first. You know, Jonathan didn't say, you know, you go ahead, armor bearer, and I'll be right behind you. He, he said, come up after me. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, says the Lord, um, he it is that go 
that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, for fear not, for neither be dismayed. Um, so this is the courage to live the Christian life without fear. You know, his, he has a, made a promise to go before you, okay, just like Jonathan did. Um, the world doesn't have that, and, and, and that's why they're so reactive. You know, you look at the world, every time that you get bad news, they just they lose their mind, okay? And that makes people easy to control when you're fearful like that. But we have a promise that he's going to go before us. Um, look at verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and his feet, and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. Okay? So it was 20 against 2. Okay? Um, well, let me read verse 14. And, and that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, half an acre of land, uh, which a yoke of oxen might plow. So again, it was, it was 20 against 2, definitely outnumbered. But notice who did most of the work. Okay, verse 13 says that they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. So basically Jonathan is knocking them down and the armor bearer is just kind of finishing them off. That's, that's basically the picture you see there. So he didn't have to go, you know, he, the armor bearer didn't have to be some great warrior. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have to be either, you know. Um, you don't have to be some super saint for the Lord to, to use you. He's already done the hard part. You know, he died for your sins. He, he purchased your salvation and he, gave, and he gave us the gospel. All you have to do is go and share it. You know, it's, it's, it's simple. Um, keep the gospel clear. You know, we're not making up our own gospel um, like some people do. Um, so they can sound smart, but he already established all that. We do the easy part, just, just, just like the armor bearer here. He sets them up and we knock them down. You know, um, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of unbelief, and we just deliver the good news. Okay, same picture you see with Jonathan and the armor bearer here. Um, but the emphasis here is, is on Jonathan. He, he, he grabs this guy, the armor bearer, and he says, come with me, come with me. And, you know, he says, God will deliver them into our hand. Um, it doesn't matter how many there are, just get up and come with me, okay? And all the armor bearer had to do is just have faith. He had to trust the one he was following, and that's all it takes. It takes faith. And just be willing to go, okay? And that's how it is with us. The Christian life is a battle. You know, we just read and talked about Ephesians chapter 6. Um, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual battle. You know, he said no man worth that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this world. Um, and, and again, this is a picture of our call to battle. And, and when the Lord calls us, he does the hard part and he gets the glory just like Jonathan did. But the armor bearer has a story to tell, doesn't he? Um, you know, you know he's glad he didn't just sit, you know, everybody else is sitting up under a tree. You know he's glad that he went and, and fought with Jonathan because he had a good story to tell afterward, right? Uh, and we're still, we're still reading it to this day, okay? So uh, that's, that's a good picture of, of Jesus there. Um, another one, number six, is that we, uh, we see as a picture of Jesus uh, is that uh, Jonathan interceded for David, okay? Go to uh, 1 Samuel 19. 1 Samuel 19. Look at verse 4. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he has not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee were very good. Okay, skip down to verse 6. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, As the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called to David, called David, and, and Jonathan showed him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, 
and he was in his presence as in times past. So in this story, Saul, you know, Saul has it in for David. He, he wants to kill him. But Jonathan intercedes. He kind of smooths everything over with, with his father, and he brings David into the house. Okay? Well, our salvation is the same way. You know, God's wrath abides on us because we're sinners. Um, but Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Okay? And he, he, he presents us to the Father with his righteousness, not our own. And he accepts us, just like, just like in the story of, of Jonathan and David. Pretty cool. But he didn't, he didn't just intercede once. That's, that's the next picture, number 7. Look at uh, 1 Samuel uh, 20. Skip down to verse 32. It says, And Jonathan answered Saul his father, and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. Okay? Um, so Saul was um, throwing the javelin at David to begin with. Now he's throwing it at his own, his, his own son, right? Um, think about that. You know, how does that picture our salvation? Well, you know, God's wrath was aimed at us as sinners, and, and Jesus stepped in and he took it for us, right? Go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, verse 10. It said, Yet it had pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Okay? So again, you see the picture how he, he interceded for us. Uh, and even when we sin, after we get saved, and we do, we do, we, we, we all do. Um, Hebrews 7.25 says that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Okay, for us. Okay, 1 John 2, 1 says that we have, if we sin, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So, again, Jonathan pictures Jesus, the advocate. Okay, he's just the way, same way he is advocating for, for David. That's what, that's what, that's what he does, for, that's what Jesus does for us. Um, another picture to, to deal with the fact that, what, that Jesus died for the sin of others, um, look at, um, still there in Isaiah 53, look at verse 8. Uh, it says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the, tra for the transgression of my people he was stricken. And he, he made his grave with the wicked and the, with, the, uh, with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Okay. Um, so, you know, why did, why did Jonathan die? Think about that. Um, you know, we're not saying he was sinless, because nobody's sinless. But when you read the, about the life of Jonathan, you know, you know, and how he died after after that the life that he lived, um, you know. Don't you kind of say, well, that's not fair. You know, um, he you know he didn't deserve to die like that. Remember, he died with Saul. Um, well, he died because of Saul's sin. You know, because what what Saul had done, and and Israel what Israel had done. So John and Jonathan kept his word to David. You know, he Jonathan always kept his word to David. He always kept his covenant, and 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 that takes us to the next picture. Go to go back to First Samuel chapter twenty. We're out of time. First Samuel chapter 20. Look at verse 41. It says, And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of the place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept with another until David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace for as much as we have sworn, both of us, in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord will Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So he said, our, he said, our covenant is between me and you, 
and my seed and your seed forever. Okay? Jesus makes a covenant with us, how long? Forever. Okay? That he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And, you know, that's why I don't understand how people can't understand eternal security because even in tight you see it, you know, with, with here with Jonathan. Um, and we're out of time. I had, I had another one, but we'll, we'll, we'll finish there today. Any questions or comments? Yeah. Jesus said in the volume of the book, it's written of me. I mean, you, there, there's no way you can miss it. There's just so many pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. We'll pick up next week in uh, 2 Samuel. Okay. I'll close in prayer, Lord. We thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you so for uh, the study of types and, and how uh, simple, how easy you made it to see your son and how you put so many signs in the Old Testament that were pointing to him and his finished work, Lord. We thank you that, it, that, it's, that it's all about him, Lord. It's not about us. And uh, our salvation is all about him. If there's anybody listening to this today, Lord, uh, realize that, that you have a sin debt that you can't pay, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay that debt for you. Um, he, he died. He, he shed his precious blood. He, he was buried and he rose on the third day. And you'll put, simply put your faith in, in his finished work. You'll be saved just as you are. We're thankful for that simple salvation, Lord. And we pray for uh, the rest of the service. Pray for all the teachers. Uh, Pastor Bears, he gives his word. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you.